0: Welcome to Conversations with Z and Vindesh, a weekly discussion that explores common life challenges and offers practical solutions. Learn more at dharmamedia.com. That's D H A R M A Media.com. Welcome back to Conversations with Z and Vindesh, and we're continuing last week's discussion. Last week, we talked about saying what you mean, the fact that people don't speak their mind. They talk around what they mean, either because they're afraid of being wrong, they're afraid of offending, they're afraid of saying something that's going to make them stick out from the crowd, and as a result, nothing gets done. You waste a lot of time and energy trying to figure out what someone wants. You don't really advance in life. You lack clear intention, and without clear intention, you can't move forward personally, So it creates just a very devolved kind of a state. And Z, you and I were talking about this a little more before our current podcast. And you came up with a great term, navigating the unspoken, which is today's topic. And this is a continuation of saying what you mean. So navigating the unspoken, the idea here is that we say all these things, we create drama in our mind, we create complicated explanations for certain things We have these worldviews which are very contorted. And the reason for that is we can't admit what we really want, what we truly care about. That's the unspoken part. And if we were able to get to the heart of the unspoken and just put it out on the table, it's like, oh, my God, I can breathe. I can relax. I can just come out and tell someone what I think and what I feel. And even if it's fucked up, even if it does me a disservice, now I can move forward. Now, finally, I can get out of this rut that I'm stuck in. And to make this a little more tangible, you were talking about some examples. And we've got some footage of this, so maybe we'll put this out as a supplement to the podcast. You were talking about relationships and this whole idea of romance, which I think is a brilliant topic. And if you think about a man and a woman, a lot of times a guy meets a girl, he just wants to get laid. He wants to have an intimate relationship. And as you put it, he's just trying to figure out, what the hell do I need to do? to have sex with this girl. On the other side, the girl might be attracted to the boy, but she can't just come out and say that because she's driven by a certain set of conditioning. And in our society, there's a lot of Catholic guilt. There's a lot of uncertainty about sex. There's a sense that it's dirty or that it's wrong. And therefore, it requires some compensation. It requires someone proving that they're worthy of sleeping with you, of conquering you. So they need to come up with flowers and dinners and cards and write poetic things. And if that's spontaneous, I don't think there's anything wrong with that. If that's a natural show of affection. But as you and I were discussing, the problem is it becomes theater. And no one really knows what the other person wants. So the poor guy is trying to figure out, what do I have to do? Okay, you want flowers? Sure, I'll get you flowers. And then you give the flowers. No, but I don't want to have to tell you that I want flowers. Okay, I don't really get that, but maybe I can put flowers on the calendar and every quarter I'll get you some flowers. No, I want it to be spontaneous. Okay, I'll try and make it spontaneous. But I want you to give it to me and smile. I want you to feel good about doing it. I don't want you to feel like it's an obligation. And you just go through this logic and it sounds so contorted. And if you step back and talk about what romance really is, In this situation, it's a display, it's a dance. It's why don't you do a certain number of things and go through this theater and jump through all these hoops to prove to me that you're worthy of me, that you're willing to make the effort. And if we just came out and said that, a couple of things would happen. We could spare a lot of back and forth. We could spare a lot of resentment. The poor guy is probably thinking, oh my God, is it really worth putting in all this time and effort? Should I just go to a massage parlor where it's cheaper and I know what I'm getting? And I don't have to worry about how much time and how much money this is going to cost me. And on the other side, if you're into a guy and you're a girl, you might just say, I'm ready to have sex. I don't need someone to go through the song and dance. But because you think that you need a certain display of affection, that you need to overcome whatever is inherently wrong with sex, the dirty feeling that you have about sex in your mind, you create this entire obstacle course, and then it messes up your relationships it's very hard to get intimate with someone. You find that you're alone. Or if you are with someone, there's a lot of wasted time. There's a lot of resentment that's building up. And it's all because we're not talking about what we actually mean. So if we get into the Z, we were talking about remedies. We talked about being self-aware. Maybe you could just expound on this a little bit. Why do we get into these situations where we're driven by a certain set of needs or ideas, yet we can't admit that? And because we can't admit that, we create this entire drama and a complicated structure in our mind that really has nothing to do with reality.
1: Well, one of the best uh, bringers of change is dissatisfaction, tragedy, suffering. As the Buddha says, we have chosen to suffer. And so when we choose not to suffer, that is when we're willing to stand up and face are demons, and step away from the suffering, because turning and having a bended knee and and offering your body to the lashes and the whip of suffering isn't the way out. You have to stand upright, take that weapon away, that whip away, endure a bit of challenge in order to move on. So when you hear the utter ridiculousness of some of the things that you may be speaking to yourself and you identify you begin to make changes and healthy changes. You also hear yourself justifying things that cannot be justified. I was telling you earlier of a young woman who uh, they were in a conversation about plant-based foods. We were just talking about that. And I was reading an article where the meat companies were spending billions of dollars to promote meat eating and convince people not to have a plant-based diet. And as she was talking about how she feared plant-based meat substitutes, I mentioned that. I mentioned, I said, did you know that meat companies are spending a tremendous amount of money to promote carnivorism? And now that you know that, you consider yourself an intelligent person. As you are there and vigorously in doubt of the quality of plant based meat substitutes, when was the last time you had a hamburger? So, George her? She said, oh, I just had one. So, part of how she is speaking is to justify behavior that she knows is not healthy behavior. She's working on her health, uh, trying to lose weight, trying to get her health on track, and had a a Mac Jack burger or whatever the hell, and then explaining it away by saying she distrusts plant-based meat substitutes. Do you see the problem with that logic construct? Do you see the problem
0: with that, Ben? Yeah, it becomes very self-serving. You basically filter the word, or sorry, filter the world, not the word, but you pick and choose information to support your point of view, your own narrative. And you just feed into this drama. And I almost think of it, I think of this sometimes as an M.C. Escher painting. You familiar with those paintings? I'm I'm not. Okay. Well, he's got all these crazy paintings, and it's rooms where stairs go up and down at the same time. And different levels wrap onto themselves so you can go up and down infinitely. It's stuff that on the surface you would look at it and it seems coherent, but you dig under the surface and it's filled with all kinds of crazy contradictions. It's actually done very well. And I think about our dramas in the same way, that there's just so much effort that we expend trying to create a reality that's separate from reality. Because we don't want to admit the truth for whatever reason. We don't want to open our mind to other possibilities. And as we've talked about, there is no absolute truth or to the extent there is, we're never going to know the absolute truth, but at least we can move in that direction and we can approach life and we can approach ourselves with an open mind and a scientific viewpoint, which is I want to get as close to the truth as possible. Because if I understand how the world works, if I understand how I work, then I can do things that are in my own best interest. I can cut through a lot of the things that are self-defeating, a lot of the things that cause pain. Uh, But to do that, we have to let go of this complicated machinery that we've created in our mind. And it's striking. We've mentioned a couple of examples with women. I don't want to pick on women. This applies equally to men. I see this at a micro level, at a macro level. I see this at work. We talked about this earlier. People walk around, and they've got just this idea That The rest of the organization is incompetent, and our team is the only one that has any talent, that's trying to do any good. And what they really mean is other people aren't doing what I want them to do. That's the truth. I can't bully other people, and it's pissing me off and frustrating me. But you can't come out and say that because that makes you look weak or you feel weak. So instead, you say, oh, we're on a mission. We are righteous we're doing what's right for the company, for the shareholders, everyone else is getting in our way, we, you rally the troops. And that might work for a period of time, but you get to a point where you piss off everyone else in the organization. And then you have no ability to get anything done because everyone hates you. Or you look more broadly, you look at our political scene and then frankly, it's not just in the US. I mean, you see this nationalist movement rising up in the Philippines, in India, in Brazil, uh, really all over the world, certainly in Europe, And if you listen to the narrative, it's all about us versus them. It's all about the enemies, the people who are trying to undermine us, the immigrants who are coming in and stealing our jobs and destroying our way of life. And I think the reality over there is we feel weak. We're going to feel stronger by starting a war and picking on someone else and blaming someone else. And especially if you have politicians who want to amass power, that's an effective strategy. Find a bunch of people who are low-minded Who aren't going to think that carefully, create a false enemy, and then start a war and go and attack that enemy. And suddenly you have a lot of support and you're in power. So if you come out and admit that, I have more respect for the people who would come out and admit that because then you can make your own decision as to whether to follow them or not follow them. But if you're not even aware of what you're doing and you confuse this idea with reality, you're misguided. The consequences are disastrous. At a global level, you get war, you get endless conflict, you get this back and forth, and it just never stops uh, because we're abiding by these false narratives. So I think it's pervasive. I mean, it's at a relationship level. It's at a work level. It's at a societal level. It affects men and women equally. I certainly don't want to suggest that there's any gender bias to this, but it's a tendency that we have to create our own reality, uh, to create this complicated mental machinery, and Conveniently ignore what actually goes on in the world. And Z, that works for a period of time. And maybe you can talk about this. I think it works for a period, but you get to a point where the more you do this, the more complicated that story has to become to hold together. And you get to a point where it's unsustainable and the whole thing starts to fall apart, or you start to suffer the consequences of your behavior. If you want to achieve a certain thing and you're not respecting the laws of the universe, Ultimately, you're not going to achieve what you want. You're going to feel a certain amount of pain. Talk about people's journey, uh, the people you've worked with. How do they get to the point where they're ready to say, I've had enough, this isn't working for me, I want to be more self-aware and try something better?
1: Well, Vin, regrettably, most people get to that point when they're at rock bottom, be it there's a health crisis of body or mind, or family and they, they awaken into the alone a place of aloneness and they say must be something better than this. Whatever happened before doesn't work for me. And now I'm ready to make some changes. I'm ready to deal with what I have avoided dealing with. So that's the typical story. That's the common story. Then there are the extraordinary stories where people simply have an overview of the world. They see the past, the present, future is the same, and they see that the best way through this is to be the governor, the steward of my own life and destiny. And they begin to work on themselves. They begin to master the different skill sets of self-development and self-realization. But for most of us, it is a it is a rough disconnect from where we were to where we need to be because we try to take with us into our future the things that burdened us in the past be it lifestyle choices behavioral choices or what have you we tend to find it difficult to let go of the sentiments of our past burdens and for those who can let go of that the path to Self-development, self-realization, being well, is a very direct route. And it takes a certain amount of courage to admit and say, I'm confused, I need help. And then it takes another type of strength to adhere to the prescriptions of remedy, which are often far more simple than people want to hear. So when you ask a person to say exactly what you mean, As simple as that sounds, imagine friends, couples, whatever, if they actually did that. And there wouldn't be these layers and layers to peel through. The amount of effort it takes to peel through those layers, the amount of time you waste, is time and effort you will never get back, and it will show little return for those efforts. How about just peel it away? It has no value. Cast it off. To talk openly, simple, clearly. As it is said in the Dharma and in many of the writings of the Buddha, keep your words simple, plain, and clear. That's not some mystical um, conjuring. Think about that. We burden ourselves in a way that you could see it in other areas of life. All of life is strategy. My five-year-old was asking me the other day about Army tanks. And we were talking about Army tanks. And he was saying, well, why don't they use tanks all the time? And I said, here's what we've learned about Army tanks. The U.S. government has an Army tank known as the M1 Abrams tank. It's supposed to be a just a lethal killing machine. But it's rarely used. Why? Because for every M1 tank you need, you have to have a fuel truck that follows that tank with about 5,000 gallons of fuel because it gets half a mile to a gallon. And with with that also as it drives the treads come apart and you have to have a crew of mechanics that follow it around and change the treads on it and do other mechanical servicing. It also has a jet engine in it that needs a group of jet mechanics to maintain a jet engine driving down the street or through the jungle or through the desert. And for all those crews of people, you need support staff. You need a cook. You need a person to set up housing for them wherever they go. So for every one of those tanks, you have hundreds of people and, and many pieces of equipment following it around. It is so burdensome to use it that it's not even useful. And it can be knocked out by a shoulder held rocket propelled grenade. So it's so so much junk that it can't even do its job. That's like us. We encumber our life with so much stuff. So much unnecessary thinking. So much unnecessary talking that we can't even get the mission done. You want from your partner, what? In, in one sentence, can we say it? You want from your clinician, what prescription? Can we say it in two formulas or three formulas and can you adhere to the protocol? But like the M1 tank, we have this unbelievable support crew that also drains our energy. We have guilt, we have ego. We have the idea, we worry about what other people may think, which we have no control over. How will I look? What should I say? What if, what if, what if? Just the what ifs alone. Just carrying that around can burn you out. So as an exercise to unencumber yourself, speak simple, plain, and clear to the people in your life that matter. Of course, with strangers, with people you have transactional relationships, there are other strategies. But you should limit those extraordinary strategies, extraordinary burdens, to a minimum in order to preserve your health and well-being. So, as we move forward, the way you identify it is, you see what is that you need? What are your interactions? What do you want from others in your life? What do you want from yourself? And in a few simple words, can you say it? And that begins to unravel the undue complexity that we have normalized, how we've created walls and barriers between what is clear and what is unclear. So, we were talking earlier about poor Caitlin, the spinster. <laughs> and as she's evolving, she's working on herself, so the first thing she had to say is, I am confused about this whole dating thing. She said, I want a guy that likes me, but I don't like myself. So just to say that, then, she's gonna start, then she started working on herself. She started working out, eating healthy going to the, uh, the fingernail place and all these kinds of things, <laughs> she feels good about herself. She started feeling good about herself. Then, you know, she called a guy down in Tallahassee. She has what they call the catfish dating thing going on. Doesn't know what the guy really looks like. And she said, hey, I need more than this. I want more than this. Can you come out and actually physically hold me and be with me? I want to wake up with you in my bed. And the guy said, hey, i got to tell you the truth. I'm a 70-year-old woman. <laughs> I'm not Joe, the lifeguard. And she was hurt. She came in crying and she was upset about that, but she got over it and said, you know what, I like myself now and I don't need to put up with this. I can actually start looking about dating a human being. And, but she had to first admit her confusion and she had to say that simple word, I am confused. Not justifying it, not embellishing it. Is that right, Kayla?
2: Yeah, to an extent. It was confusing. And I had met that person prior. It wasn't like an internet thing. We had a physical relationship at some point. How was it? Um, It
1: was not worth it. Was it not extraordinary?
2: At first it was, but then I... Was it
1: extraordinary because you had built it up so much? I think in yeah.
2: Yeah, in for my head, I very thought it was accurate. gonna. I thought it was gonna be so very great. mediocre
1: at best. But now, looking back on when it, right? I
2: look back, I'm like, yeah, no, yeah. all the signs were there that it was just never going to manifest. That's right. That's
1: right. Waste of your time. Complete waste of your time. Other than you got education out of it, but now that you're working and know yourself, now do you have the right narrative for yourself to say what's okay for you?
2: Yeah, absolutely. I have more boundaries. That's
1: that helps. You see that? Because she's put energy into herself and not energy into all this other stuff. You have unburdened yourself. You're no long, longer the M1 Abrams tank. You are simply the lone guerrilla fighter with a rocket propelled grenade. You're an efficient fighter. Is that right?
2: Yeah. There it's it's still It's still challenging, though, to, to find someone and to open yourself and be vulnerable to do all of that. But the
1: stronger you are, the more vulnerable you can be. Is that right?
2: Yeah,
1: because you're not afraid of anything.
2: Well, that's true. I mean, that's probably why I've been single for so long. Because
1: I've just but there's a lot of reasons you've been single for a long <laughs> time. That's a whole another podcast, okay? <laughs> um, we'll we'll have to cover that in four episodes. Good God, <laughs> this girl's a train wreck. She's much better now. You, 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 you hear of it? She's 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 really speaking from her heart. Is that once you admit, then it clears the slate, and you can start to rewrite your own narrative.
0: Well, I think that part is so critical that you have to do it. You've got to be the one to speak plainly, to know what's in your heart, to get the truth out there because no one else is going to do it for you. And we talked about this earlier. If you're the type who lives in their head and creates all kinds of drama, you suck people into that. You're either going to get people who you intentionally surround yourself with, who've got the same view of the world, so you can all build this drama together and it gets stronger and stronger. Or you're going to meet people who are like you, Z, and you'll listen to it, and maybe you have to be there. You're going to minimize the amount of energy you put into it. You're not going to fight it. You're going to say, oh, yeah, poor you. That's really bad. I feel you. And then you'll go and you'll get the hell out of there. But you're not going to strain the person out. It's just not worth your energy and your time. So all of your interactions I shouldn't say all, but the vast majority of your interactions just support this falsehood that you're living by. You can't rely on other people. Those people are just going to build up these false ideas to a greater and greater extent. So the only way to tackle this is what you're saying, which is we have to be clear about ourselves, about what we care about. We have to articulate that first to ourselves and then to the world. If we're not clear on it, we can't speak to the world. But once we get that conviction, we get the vision of that truth— then we can broadcast it, and then we can start making some changes. And I'll just share one thing from my own life. I think you're right in the sense that a lot of times you have to get to a point of desperation. Now, that desperation might differ. For some people, it might be that they wake up in a ditch. For others, maybe they're just a little bit depressed and they feel alone. I look at people that I've worked with, and inevitably, they become receptive the more pain that they're in. So when their situation starts to unravel, when they see it's unsustainable, when they just feel that there's no way out, then they say, okay, now I'm ready to try something different. I look at myself, I've done similar things. I've lived at times by false narratives. I've tied my self-esteem to my professional success at certain points in my life. I've tied my self-esteem to how much money I was making trading stocks, which was a recipe for disaster. The market's always moving up or down. I just felt constant anxiety. But I felt like I had to be right. I had to prove myself. And eventually it ended in pain or, you know, the pain got to a point where I said, I don't want to do this anymore. And I shifted. I think the good news is that there's a cycle or a spiral which takes you down. But once you hit that bottom point and you start to recover, if you've got sufficient momentum, you can create a spiral in the opposite direction. And once you start to tear down these false narratives, it becomes less scary. So initially, you might think, okay, if I tear this down, I'm tearing down part of my identity. I'm tearing down something that's fundamental to me. I don't know what's on the other side of this. You start doing that, and you realize it's just a much more natural, a much more freeing way to live, and you look forward to it. You become open to questioning what you believe, to looking at different aspects of your life, to unburdening yourself, unencumbering yourself, And if you have sufficient energy going into it, I think what you said is absolutely right. Uh, You start to accelerate that path to self-awareness, and it just becomes a much more enjoyable part of the process. It's not scary anymore to be wrong. It's not scary anymore to admit that you don't have the answers, that you're humble, that you're seeking the truth, that you're learning from experience. And that's just a much more freeing way to live.
1: Well, I, I was thinking about when you were talking, Vin, What would be formulas that we could offer? Or just from my experience, what has given me a lot of liberation is simple things. Again, simple words, simple ideas. You cannot control the feelings of other people. And people will like you or dislike you for oftentimes reasons you have no control over. So that gives you more tools to construct your own personal narrative. Whenever I'm working with people, I always try to impart upon them, it is your responsibility. Here are the tools, here's the skill set, here are the resources, now go build your life. Right, Caitlin? I always do that, even when I work with people. I always encourage other people to step up and teach what you know. Why, because service is a clear path to self-seeing and self-knowing. Whatever you share with someone else will reflect right back at you in what you have shared. When people hoard themselves and they are uh, selfish, they will always need more. They won't need less to be better, they will need more. So I encourage everyone this idea of simple speech because when it's complex, that means you're hiding things. That means you're trying to speak through nuance. We're trying to navigate the unspoken, as we said. What do you mean navigate the unspoken? We're trying to figure out what the hell it means. Was it a riddle? So was that roll of the eye or that gesture in your body or that, uh, I was training the fellas this morning. I was training the two Davids, right? And they were complaining. All morning they were complaining. Oh, I'm so tired of this. And then then they started rolling their eyes at me. I didn't buy into it. I don't know what the hell that means. I'm not going to chase the unknown. speak to me straight? You're both out of shape. Two grown men that look like they're in the second trimester of pregnancy. I said, you need to work out. And they were huffing and puffing and, and then rolling their eyes at me like schoolgirls. Then one of them jumped up and asked me for the 300th time how to put on a knee brace. I said, look, I'm not going to tell you anymore. Then the other one runs up and says, oh, my back aches. Yeah, my back hurts because you're fat. That's why your back is hurting. And I'm here... Cut the fat. See, this is really simple. Cut the fat. Okay? Cut the fat. Simple. Clear instructions. And if he does that mantra, he will cut the fat. You will get well if you follow the instructions. Cut the fat. Simple words. Plain speak. But what hinders us from hearing that is we try to add a story to that. That's a very uninteresting story by the way, very uninteresting. You'll bring your mom into it. You'll bring your religion into it. You'll bring stuff that happened or may not have happened years ago into the conversation. So we don't go down that route. And I know from my own experience, don't follow people down that rabbit hole. Actually, don't follow them down that sewer pipe is really what you (laughs) do. Keep it simple, do the drill, do the work, you become what you do. So for those of us who are working on that, what will be frightening about it? What is frightening is it will first reveal the nakedness of your own cowardice, your coward. Now you wanna be a hero. So first you have to stand there naked and humiliated as a coward and see, you know, I've been really not honest with myself. Now today, standing here naked in front of everybody, I'm gonna clothe myself as a hero, I'm gonna do what I need to do to be a better human being. I'm gonna speak plain, I'm gonna speak clear, and I'm gonna act upon those things. I'm gonna follow these directives to the letter. I am not that interesting. I am not that interesting, my story is not that unique. So I'm gonna start working on myself. Here are the five things or 10 things I need to do. But I also know that there will be hazards and distractions along the way because I will try to put lipstick on a pig while I'm doing that. I'm going to try to dress up things that shouldn't be dressed up. So I'm going to avoid that. Whenever that happens, I'm going to avoid that. I'm going to just simply follow the instructions. I'm not going to go outside of myself and blame my plight on other people. I'm not going to veer from my path because of the influence or lack of support I perceive from others. I'm going to support things that support me. I'm going to nurture things that nurture me. That's what Caitlin is doing. She knew that these remote boyfriends uh, were not benefiting her, so she turned that energy around and started working on herself. Right? She went from being basically a sea hag to (laughs) looking like a young Liz Taylor. Now her options are not as bleak as they were before. I'm not saying she's got a lot of options. But she's not as bleak <laughs> I never as did it that was bad. before.
2: I never did that bad. Oh, yeah, it's
1: bad. So, but she's working on herself. She's admirable. We, we 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 talk about her with so much admiration around here to see where she was and how far she's come. She's dragged herself literally from the trenches, from the depths of the swamp. She's come. <laughs> and she's much better off now. All on her own. Is that right? Yeah. yeah I mean,
2: it's taken me about two years, but...
1: Yeah. And it's been two years. I mean, she was mired in the swamp, okay? You follow me, Vin?
0: Yeah, I get it, I'm glad. I mean, it really warms my heart to hear you speak of Caitlin with such respect and admiration. (laughs) We could all benefit from that. I think some of what you say, these narratives and these ideas that we carry around with us are so important. You just mentioned a bunch. I'm gonna reiterate some of my favorites. Things like we are entitled to nothing. Things like if we try and please other people, we become their slave. Another one, we're responsible for our own suffering. If we can anchor our view of the world on these ideas, principles that do a better job aligning us with what is. Another one I just thought of, which you talked about, we're not that interesting. No one's out to fuck us. No one's out to spend their time trying to drive us into the dirt, except for exceptional situations. I mean, maybe there are a few people where they've pissed someone off to such an extent there's a personal vendetta, but most of the time people aren't aware of you. They're living their own lives. They have no interest in bringing you down. They're too absorbed with their own problems. So if we can get our heads straight just around these basic principles, just around how the world actually works, I think it can cut through a lot of this drama That we create. That might be another way. Uh, So one way we've talked about is just being very clear, clearly stating and articulating your truth. Another corollary is to discover that truth, start with what is reality. And Z, I don't know what you think, maybe some of these principles, I mean, I'd be curious to hear if there are any ones I've missed, ideas that people have, false narratives that really cause us, uh, to mire ourselves in despair and to engage in, in self-destructive behavior.
1: Well, Vin, I I, I think you covered um, uh, enough of them, but I also would like to add to it that I was out this weekend. Uh, my cousin opened up a cafe in Pasadena. We were up there, and a guy came up there, and he was telling me about a grand conspiracy, the, the Bilderbergers or, or somebody, the Illuminati, something like that. It's some series of grand conspiracies that were affecting our lives. And I said, you know, the biggest conspiracy is that uh, you are borderline diabetic and you're eating gelato. There's no large group of men in a room in a castle somewhere that's making you destroy your life. So you're not that interesting. You're not that significant you're less than a mite on a flea's ass on the back of an elephant's butt. You are not significant at all. There's no conspiracy that has you in mind. We are our own worst conspirators. That's what we need to remember, that there isn't a bunch of people working against you. And even if they are, you have to buy into their organization, you have to buy into their club. and and how about again it goes to our opt-out idea work on yourself make sure you've dotted your I's and crossed your T's when it comes to your general health and well-being and your mental health before you look outside yourself for some conspirators that are looking for you out of the 7 billion plus people on earth to screw up your life so even you know, you hear about this, you, you go on social media, there's always a conspiracy. If you want that interesting, we'll live and die. Most of us will barely have a, a, an obituary written in the local newspaper. Enjoy your life, work on yourself. Get out of your own way. There will be challenges and hardships. Trust me, I know. I know great hardship in my life, but so too does a fish know water. But it exists in that water, and has learned to to manage its environment. So does a bird know air. So I know hardships and I know how to navigate and negotiate with them and that they are part of life, not separate from life. So to me to avoid those hardships and deny they exist, it would deny my own existence. I can use them as something as a hindrance or something to inspire me forward. So I feel blessed with my hardships. I do not feel there's a grand conspiracy undermining me. I think there are choices I've made in life, there are decisions i made that at, at one point may have seemed to be noble choices that left me in the lurch. I can reflect upon them years later and say yay or nay, but here I am. So all of us are in that position. All of us has, so we can take those experiences and move forward, but we must simplify the arrogance and the nature of the ego to make it seem so damn interesting how we got fucked up. I remember years ago sitting out in front of a friend's house on the beach, and we were, uh, my good buddy Phil Kaplan, we were all out on the beach, a bunch of, we were playing uh, football in, on the beach running here and there, everybody there had either played sports or was some kind of athlete or a veteran of combat or something, and at the end of the game we were sitting around checking out the girls on the beach talking, and we were talking about injuries, hey, how would you get that scar, you know, somebody shoot out or fell out a copter, battle of the Chateaubriand, whatever the hell, football injury. And Phil's roommate rolled by and he had a cast all the way from his shoulder to his baby finger. This guy was a real loser. He came over and he says, we are all talking about different battles And he said, oh my God, you guys don't know what it's like to fall out of a golf cart. <laughs> and we all stopped and just listened to this guy. Ted was his name. I said, my God fell out of a golf cart. What the hell life do you live that you could get he says that well they just put the cast on just as a safety percussion. So my point with a guy like that, with people like that, it's it, your suffering is relative. It's a relative nature of suffering.
0: Yeah, I think it's even I think it's worse than that. I feel like when we live such a privileged life, we don't have to worry most of us about food, about shelter. We can spend time with our loved ones. We get the freedom to pursue our passions. There's something about the ego that forces us to invent problems. It's like we don't have any problems. We have nothing to worry about. So suddenly we've got to create drama. We've got to create hardship. We've got to paint ourselves as victims. And I would encourage people to learn from you. I mean, that's why I find some of our conversations so inspiring. The people who go through the worst suffering are the ones who have the cleanest slate, the clearest mind. Because you know that there's so few things that are important, and you focus on those things that are important, uh, which are relationships, uh, taking care of your health, doing something that you're passionate about, uh, some sort of intellectual stimulation, some kind of physical activity, and that's it. That's all life is. And the rest is a total distraction. And I think for those who are self-aware, you realize that all of those distractions, all of those endless thoughts, all of the worries, the anxieties, the fears, it takes us away from from a clear state of mind. And that clear state of mind is everything. Our happiness, our creativity, our brilliance, that all comes when we sit still, when we've got a measure of calm, when we can see the world clearly. So I don't know, frankly, what the right solution is. I mean, maybe it's just an observation that we do really fucked up things, and it's almost like the more privileged we are, the more we have to do something in our mind to counterbalance that and to create hardship for ourselves. And and as you're saying, we just really get in our own way. Uh, But if we can step back away from that and realize what we're doing, we've got the ability to live so much better.
1: You're right, Vin, and and you made me think about certain things that, what have the challenges I face in my life taught me? It's taught me to be more open-hearted. I don't fear anybody. I don't fear, not just fearing people physically. I don't fear caring about people I don't walk around wondering who's going to betray me or if I open up to this person will I get hurt because hardship has taught me the transiency of life that life is simple we live we die I realize though over time that most people don't have they did not have the opportunity of hardship I see my hardship as an opportunity because I see treasures in life, I can say unequivocally that my everybody who has encountered me in life, whether they like me or don't like me, their life was improved by their time with me. That's one thing that I can say without a doubt. And hardship has taught me that because at any moment we'll get that phone call that death will visit us. I was sharing with my wife, her dad is going through some heart issues and she was scheduled to go to a wedding and she was torn. What should I do? My dad may die. Should I go to the wedding? And I said, I'm going to talk to you straight, babe. I would do anything to have a few more moments with my dad, whose brains was blown out and splattered onto my 13-year-old face and I watched him take 20 hours to bleed to death. I would do anything. To get to talk to him and ask him, did you ever look at me the way I look at my kids? Did you ever have hopes for me? I would have loved to have those questions answered. But through hardship, I fortunately, those questions weren't answered, and I had to live a life using that tool, opening myself up to great mentors, great teachers, and then following their example. So I told my wife, do what's in your heart. If you want to be with your dad, do that. And then way, way, what has your dad done for you? And what have these people who request your presence at another meaningless social get-together, what have they done for you? Let's be completely transactional. She said, my dad has been with me every step of the way. I've never wanted for anything. I've never known a day of hunger. I've never known a cold night because of my dad. He's been there, and I've never known him to raise his voice at me or to treat me with anything other than the greatest fondness as if I was a no, if I was born into nobility. I said, so do what you need to do. So she stayed with her dad. And later on, she said she was happy to be with her dad. And I didn't feel bad at all. I didn't miss anything. And I said, now go forward. So when your dad dies, when he dies, That's one thing you won't carry with you in pain and regret, that you didn't spend those days with him. That's what hardship has taught me. As I work with the young people here every day, and they complain about random bullshit that's very important to them, by the way, what I tell them is life is short. If everything works out, each one of you will have a memorial service for me sometime in the future. And at that memorial service, what well, you remember, what did Z share with you? I was open-hearted, treated you like my own child, loved you the best I could. That's what everybody's gonna say. He was a real motherfucker, but he had my back. He pissed me off so much, but he sheltered me. So that's my fucking story. I keep it simple, Van. I keep keep my words simple, plain, and clear. Then you don't have to wonder what the hell you said. And then I hope that that leads to a good example for the people around me because I treat people <coughs> the way I would like to treat. I always try to pay it forward. I'm going to lay it on the line for you. And that's my example. Will you lay it on the line for me? Most of the fucking people won't because they haven't, ra- they haven't yet pushed themselves to the level of hero. But when you push yourself to the level of hero, you acquire a city, extraordinary gift from God that gives you clarity. And you're not afraid anymore. You don't waste your time being afraid. You get to live in this world completely. So keep your words simple, plain, and clear. Be thoughtful before you speak. Own what you say. Own it completely. Fall on the blade for what you say. If you want to fall on the blade, don't say it. Keep it that way. Right, Vin?
0: Just to wrap, as you're talking, Z, I'm thinking about an analogy. I really agree with everything you said. I think it's beautifully put. When I think about all this mental drama, this baggage we create, I think the trap we fall into, it feels so fundamental. It becomes such a part of us and our story and our identity that we almost treat it like a life raft, that it's something that we have to hang on to. And the irony is we're holding on to it for dear life, yet it's not a life raft. It's a rock that's dragging us down, that's causing us to drown, that makes it so hard to navigate life because we can't even come up for air. So I think if we can shift that perspective, do as you're saying, focus on what our intention is, say what we mean, speak simply. I love the way you put it, lay it on the line. It's just a much easier way to live.
1: It's a much easier way to love. You know, it's so easy to love people when you're clear with who they are and they're clear with who you are, it's that mundane, simple, reliable, boring love. I love boring love that you can just trust it. It's right there for you, it works every time. Simple, simple speak. You know, my wife and I were going through a rough time a little while ago, and um, just, I don't know how Caitlin's going to cut this in, but it goes to simple speak. And for a while, I just didn't say much to her, because I got tired of talking, complicating, and and the the general stresses of running the business, two young kids, and and, and all this running about. And I felt like, look, you, you run around too much. You overcommit yourself too much. And I'm thinking about dumping you, you know what I mean? Because I married you because you're young and hot, and I need sex on a regular basis. That's all it is. I just need your attention. That's all I want is your attention. I don't need I I want your attention. I don't wanna to have to get side chicks and all that like my buddies have. It's too much drama and eventually the side chick wants to like uh, barge into your business or your house and explain her love for you. It's the way with mistress. I don't wanna do that. So I said, Look and then so she went to some women's group, some talking group. And they start talking. this says, Well, you have different astrological signs and you gotta figure out when the Jupiter is converging on something and then also you know there's some upbringing, your difference in upbringing, and blah 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 blah, and then she started talking about that, and she's our upbring's very different, then there's the age difference and from different generation and then there's a religious difference and, you, and I'm just listening to this, and it's like someone's drilling a hole in my head. It's so complicated. You might as well have taken a a black and decker drill and just start putting a one inch drill through my head. that's what it felt like when she was talking. And I said, you know, I love my wife. We got two kids. I really don't want to dump her. I even told some friends, I'm thinking about dumping my wife. They said, I come. I said, I really don't want to dump her. But I need to get laid more often. It's really that simple. She's busy, she's running errands for various people. She comes home too tired. I'm telling her, don't run errands for these people. I need you to have about hours of energy left for me every night. About just about an hour. 45 minutes to an hour. Get it done. You understand what I'm saying? Real simple. 45 minute an hour. So now I need you to shift that time that you're running around, running errands, going to the women's group, going to the talking group, talking, talking, talking. Can you reduce the talking time down by an hour 15 minutes? Just reduce it a little bit. Then when you come home, you're not tired. I'm not dealing with just a, 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 a sack of cold bones. She said, well, I went to the talking group, and they were explaining all the issues. It's real complicated and I just shut up for about a month I just shut my mouth and I was just figuring out how I could dump her. Then I said I don't want to dump my wife, let me go back one more time and try. So she went to the talking group, talked to me, real complex. I said your bottom line, I love you. I need more sex. She says is that it? I said that's it. Polish that thing up and let's, let's hit it. That's all I need. Simple. She said yeah then we start doing it on a regular basis not as much as I want but a lot much more is going on and I can relax fine we're fine now we're all cool you know simple real simple speak freaking simple don't go to talking groups these people men and women go to talking group they talk it's not that complicated simple you get me Vin I say she's not letting me hit it okay I need the sex okay Convenient at home, roll over, hit it, take a nap. No drama. I got kids yelling, got maniacs coming through the door, got a business to run, got desecrated, got to build Dharma media. Got so much going on, I don't have time.
0: Yeah, then you get that off your mind. You can focus. You can do other things.
1: Done. But if I don't get it, I'm toxic. You see what I'm saying? Sperm backed up in your brain, you can't think straight. You're mad. You're angry you're having homicidal thoughts, you can't be nice to people, your magnanimity goes away. You see how complex it can get? The drain is plugged, baby, the drain is plugged. And he's unplugged the drain. Yeah, well,
0: that's why I wrote the piece, Rise Up and Bone.
1: Yeah, well, that's why I wrote the piece,
0: Rise Up and Bone. It's that simple. (laughs) That solves a lot of problems.
1: We keep it simple, man. Shut it down at the end of the day and polish that booty up and let's go. You know what I mean? Life's simple, Shh. man.
0: The prime imperative.
2: May I ask, though, what is it that she needed from you?
1: She 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 likes the D-tube. The problem is she was expending her time too much. She has a habit of overcommitting herself. You know why? She won't say no to anybody. Mm-hmm. She had no boundaries. She was completely exhausted. And she didn't need anything from me other than to not bother her. Because she was overextending herself. You met. she doesn't know how to say no to people. Right? Relatives called us the other night at 10 at night and said, come and pick them up from the airport. She said, what should I do? I said, Uber. Uber. Uber app. Okay? But her first instinct was to go out and rescue people like a fucking superhero. I said, no, rescue me. Okay, first and do whatever the hell you want to do. So we're cool now. All right? She didn't need anything for me. She got me. Look, look at me. What could a woman need other than this? <laughs> you know, come on. It's more than enough. This is enough for any three women, four women. She, she's got it luck. She's lucky.
0: Yeah, I don't have anything to add. I mean I'm just uh, I'm just sitting here a little bit dumbfounded. We talk about we talk about creating your own reality. I mean, uh, this is the most ironic way that we could have ended the conversation.
1: Yeah, you can always ask her. Speak truth. You guys know that. It may sound crazy, but it's the fucking truth. Chicks dig me. Caitlin sees it. She works at the front desk. Have to swat them off like flies.
2: I'm going to let them live in that delusion. Whatever.
0: Yeah, whatever, man. Whatever your truth is, own it. That's what I learned from you. We'll pull back from Z's sexual needs and marital issues, and we'll get back to the point we talked about <laughs> We talked about navigating the unspoken and the idea that we get into all these dramas, all of this time-wasting discussion, we're not clear about what we want. And the solution is let's just be clear. Let's understand what we need, what we're asking for. Once we have that clarity, we can communicate it to the world, and then we can move forward. We can actually get what we want. We can feel satisfied. If there's anything holding us back, if we feel insecure, we feel alone, we can fix those problems. That's how we evolve. So try and do that. Focus on what you want, what you mean. Try to avoid getting to the point of complete disaster. That's the point where most people turn it around, where they say, oh, my God, my life is such a train wreck that I have no choice but to evaluate. Let's not fall in that category. Let's proactively take a look at the challenges we're having. Let's understand the causes and let's commit to moving forward. If you enjoyed the show, please consider leaving us a review on Podbean, iTunes, or your favorite podcasting app. Each five-star review helps us bring you more unique and insightful content. Learn more at dharmamedia.com Peace